This Wicked Chops podcast is brought to you by Amber Gaming, a platform with a plan. Visit www.ambergaming.com. Now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Turn the music up in the headphones. Tim, you can go and brush your shoulder off, nigga. I got you. Uh, yeah. If you feeling like a pimp, nigga, go and Welcome brush your to off, yet another niggas. Wicked Chops podcast. Uh, excited about this one. Should be a fun talk. Uh, joining as always from this point forward, Jay Greenspan. Jay, how you doing? All right. Uh, sorry about the Patriots. You can say that, I guess. It's fair. Um, but our uh, guest on this podcast today is Adam Pliska. It's your second time on the Wicked Chops podcast. Glad to have you back. Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be back. I've been looking forward to it uh, uh, since uh, last week when I heard you were calling. So let's just get right into it because there's a lot of stuff going on with the World Poker Tour for 2014. Give us some of the highlights going into the year because it, it seems like you guys are really spreading your tentacles around everywhere. Sure. Let me let me kind of just put this into what what I would say are the kind of the main buckets for WPT as we go into 2014 or what I hope will be uh, our objectives. So the thing that, that I really want to concentrate on is uh, expansion, facilitation, integration, cooperation, and mainstreaming. And what, what I mean by that is – from the expansion side, you know, we, it is both the type of expansion that we're doing. You know, I think you'll continue to see more expansion into Asia. Uh, we've tried to take a very responsible approach there with our uh, game, with our partner, our game. And uh, uh, we'll continue to do that as well. Um, I just, you know, over the holidays, I was with my wife's family in Japan and then stopped over in the Philippines, saw the incredible solar casino that was down there it's just uh, beautiful what's uh, what's going on there and what they're in entertainment uh, zone that they're they're creating what um, expand on that i know i know we'll uh, we'll, we'll dive deeper in the world poker sure. for our listeners that aren't familiar with it expand on that a little bit what are they doing so so they built this beautiful um 1.5 billion dollar casino that is 15 minutes from the airport and you walk in and this is spectacular. I mean, it is everything that you would expect from uh, the Encore. It is five-star. It is, um, it's a beautiful space. Upstairs are the high-end junket rooms that you would see in Macau. But downstairs, the restaurants are incredible. Um, the selection is, is fantastic. They've now put in a poker room uh, that uh, Mike uh, uh, Kim is running uh, for Solaire down there, the uh, the space is just a beautiful place. And I think they're also going to be putting in a nightclub. They already have kind of a temporary nightclub now um, and adding more hotel rooms. But for a property that's about a year old, it was, uh, it was a very pleasant surprise. Very, very nice over there. Great. Okay, so uh, World Poker Tour, as far as expansion, what we're looking for in 2016, yes. what else we got? So uh, facilitation is uh, one of the things that we want to do is make it easier for players to play in events. So whether that's transferring money, whether that's getting information. And so we're going to be looking to things like changing elements of the website, making it easier to get there, finding ways to get money um, 
into places easier and just having an outreach service that players can uh, that that can players can work with us so that will be help their process uh, much easier uh, the integration uh, side is the integration of online gaming um, and sure. as online gaming uh, comes into the US and and how we find that both the online side and the brick and mortar side can complement uh, complement each other uh, that will become a major focus um, the next is cooperation and for that which I I just mean that we're going to be working to try to make the best player experience possible. And that means better outreach to all the other tours. Um, I have no problem. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a, a nice warm welcome by the, by the EPT when I was there. And I certainly uh, we're, I've done outreach for the World Series. And we just want to make sure that, look, we're not going to solve all conflicts. But any time that, uh, that we can... Uh, we're going to try to do whatever we can to make better player experiences. So the next uh, the next area that we're focusing on is mainstreaming. And the thing that I'm happy to talk about is what's getting a lot of uh, press for us is this monster deal, this monster headphone deal, and uh, happy to go into the details. But to me, mainstreaming is more than just making sure that the WPT has a mainstream sponsor, it's what we can do for the industry. What I'm hoping is that we're making a shift in the industry that will attract more sponsorship. We want to see more, more sponsorships on all the major tours and, and quite frankly, with players over time. So um, that, that's, you know, an essential component. Of what yeah, let's talk about that, that monster deal because, perfectly honest over here, I was really surprised that it got that much pickup and attention. So I uh, talk about the deal a little bit and why it seemed to resonate with bigger, broader media coverage. Sure. Well, first of all, you know, quite frankly, it's it, it is a traditional large sponsorship. It's a large sponsorship deal. It is not an in-kind service. There's uh, there's premiums that we're going to be giving away, um, but it is a traditional sponsorship that there that the WPT is being paid for. Um, the other thing is that Monster has incredible partners. Uh, Adidas was uh, of its power partners this year. It was also um, Adidas was named and Lamborghini. They're doing the uh, the mu the uh, music systems, audio right. systems for Lamborghini. Right. So with this and the type of integration uh, that that they will be getting it, you know it. What's going to happen is when you go to a WPT event, if you're if you're a winner at a final table, you're going to get a nice set of headphones. I mean, these aren't inexpensive headphones; they're good, qual great quality headphones. Um, if you are a WPT champion of the 180 some um, champions, you'll be entitled to a WPT headphone. If you're playing in an Alpha Eight, you'll be able to get headphones. Um, but what I think has captured the attention so much of the industry is this was not this was a a traditional sponsorship that was not necessarily a poker related sponsorship sure um, uh, which by the way those things are important but you can see that they this is kind of an evolution in its in steps forward first you know we you know we might see poker apparel and those type of things um 
you know, we, we announced this year that uh, DraftKings, which I think was a was also another big deal for us uh, and uh, positive in the sponsorship front, uh, also related in that gaming space. But here, this was a sponsor that was not related in the space at all. What they realized is that WPT ratings, which have been doing very good, provide great exposure and right in the market that it, of the people that they're trying to attract. Sure. To that point, you brought up the old, uh, uh, more of the old in-kind sponsorship deals. I was involved with that Rise brand and that that brief sponsorship of the raw deal um, sure. and, and aware of, uh, through Ty and through Pollock before him, how difficult the mainstream sponsorship deals were for the WSOP. Was this a long sales cycle? Was this something that was a I want to say like a difficult sale or has, uh, I guess with the increased acceptance of iGaming in the United States, is this something that wasn't really that tough to get done? It really is a two-part answer. The monster deal itself was actually consummated within a month, literally 30 days from the day that, uh, that we started. So um, in that sense, you could say, well, it was, it was a deal that uh, seemed evident, and you know we were we were blessed to get a deal done quickly. But in truth, it was a long sales cycle because what we have been doing is strategically positioning ourselves to help mainstream sponsors better understand the poker market. Poker the poker market offers great CPMs, which marketers look for for when they're advertising a product, and it provides a fantastic demographic. Demographic tends to be a little bit more educated, tends to be uh, uh, younger, more people with a little bit, you know, disposable income. Great for mainstream sponsorship, but it takes an education. An education bolstered by ratings and bolstered by a large footprint that can reach a lot of people and reach those customers this isn't a very evident thing, especially, you know, we all are in the poker industry. So when we hear uh, about sponsorship, we think, well, why not? This should be so, this should be so self-evident. But if you're somebody deciding where to put your money, you might not know a lot about the poker market. You know that there was some kind of controversy a few years ago. You know that you, you hear kind of the bad stories. And that's why, to me, um, I think it is essential that good quality poker programming, all of it, not just the World Poker Tour, is able to be presented in such a way that mainstream sponsors understand this is a great value and a very good thing. Poker is played so much as one of the only sports that you replay the you replay the sport over and over and over again, and it's great for it, it's it's a great investment. Uh, okay, so to that point, you know, you're talking about the, let's say, uh, overall expansion of the game here. You know, you've mentioned uh, on the previous podcast and this one that WPT ratings are at, uh, at a high mark right now. Uh, we know that HPT ratings are at a high mark, even despite the increased uh, competition 
in that there's more tours out there, that tour numbers, just general participation is still very high. WSOP is setting attendance marks. Uh, even if their ratings might not be what they once were, you know, the particip participation in the events still are high. So it seems like overall the poker economy is pretty healthy right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I think that it's getting better. And I think it's getting better as a component of certainty. When you, when you, every month that goes by and we have more certainty about how regulation will take place, whether in a particular state, if that's positive or negative, um, it is a helpful indicator of where a person is going to spend their money, where they're going to live, um, where they're going to have opportunity. So I think that that is, uh, I think that that has helped greatly. The other how would, thing. How would you compare, though, today to, let's say, 2006, which a lot of people would probably consider about the height of the boom? Uh, do, do you think it's a, a better, more mature market now, or was it a little bit better back then in 2006, and we're just catching up? I, I think you, you used exactly the right words. It's a, it's a mature market, because in 2006, it was, remember, we were at the end of the Wild West, and it was still a heyday, and money is falling from the sky, and people are running around with buckets trying to figure out how to collect it. That is fantastic, but what happens when you get a frenzy like that, it's like anything in the stock market, is you never know when it's going to end and people make decisions that are not necessarily long-term decisions. Right. I think when you look at what's happened, you know, the World Poker Tour is a nice indicator of what's happening in the market in general. Not only a big deal sponsorship like Monster, which I think will have great effects on all of the tour and all of the industry and the players themselves, but look at the deal that we've had with Fox. For the first time, Fox has done multiple-year deals with us with both series. That, that shows that it's not – you know, in, the, in 2006, it was fantastic, and people were running around, and everything seemed great. But we were getting – you know, we were getting picked up year after year. And now, I think as a level of certainty is there – People realize that the investment can come back, and um, and just like any other uh, investment, you know, it it'll pay its return over time. So, Adam, what do you think remains before um, you have before you can walk into you know a sponsor like Ford for an upscale line of their cars, or you know, some other another sort of just very mainstream large US corporation. You know, what what remains for that level of acceptance and legitimacy? There's nothing that remains now. It really is a question of education. And if the mainstream sponsors are educated properly, they will come to the decision themselves. The the reason that Monster was we were able to do this in a very short period of time is you have a visionary uh, over at Monster who walks in, understands numbers, understands the value, and quickly can make a decision. And being able to get to the right people and being able to present the case, now that we have facts and now we have more certainty in the market, uh, this is a prime time uh, for this. And you're not going to just see it with us. You're going to see it with other people. And it's good for all of us. Jay, before the uh, before the podcast was on, we were talking a little bit about uh, 
how these tours could potentially work together, WBT, WSOP. Do you have thoughts on what Adam was saying earlier about, uh, about other partnerships and what it can mean for the game on how these tours could work together for something maybe bigger? Well, I would like to hear more from Adam about that if he's got uh, more to say, because it does feel like this acceptance and mainstreaming, you know, for those who are part of the industry know how, you know, this is, it's really one, one unit that the players are working with, you know, one world of tours, and they have to budget their money between, you know, EPT and WSOP and WPT. Um, And, you know, the credibility of the industry relies on all of these entities um, really presenting, you know, the poker brand is something that's really, you know, an investable, you know, investable thing. So I'm, it, and it always struck me as curious that there was at the time that I was working in the industry that there was um, no real association, you know, no industry association that was um, very active. And I'm curious if there's any, you know, high level talks between you and the other tour, you know, other other people in broadcasting and in the, in the creation of tours to, you know, to work towards these ends together. Uh, so uh, I don't think that there's been a formal, there's not been a formal process, but I, I do think what we are seeing is a far more open dialogue. Uh, when we started and you just take, you know, I've been around here for, I, I, I see that snapshot five or six, seven years ago. And the definition of competition is changing. Uh, as I as I said, you have you have you know smart you have Edgar over at the uh, EPT, smart guy, just a great gentleman. You know you have Ty, you know here at the WPT. We all are invested in making sure that the that the players have a very good community and great interest. Uh, I mean a great. Um, uh, field of play so we are talking you know we're we're trying to be more open to that outreach um and we're going to encourage it more going forward i think that what you'll see is the wpt will make some uh, overtures in the in the next year to just increase that dialogue it's not it's not going to be a guarantee that we're not going to always um you know we won't always be able to avert overlaps and at the end of the day, there'll be a level of competition that's traditional competition, and we're not going to be able to offset all of that. But what we have found is when the community succeeds, we all succeed. There is no threat from good quality poker competition. What there is threat from is bad quality poker, and we none of us want that. It's no good for television. It's We've proven that, and it's no good for this uh, for this mainstreaming effort. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, this is a, a favorite topic of, of mine and Jay's and, and some others within the industry uh, on how the television product could suffer some because we're looking at the same guy. It's like the same guy wins every tournament now. Oh, it's the young 20s guy that, you know, math whiz, maybe not the most engaging personality. And uh, I actually watched a WPT show about two weeks ago. And was really, and I say I, nothing against WPT. I just don't watch poker on TV anymore. It's just, you know, like you, 10 years in it. And it's, and it's tough. Uh, sure. glad to, we're, we're glad you got, we got you to that episode. Yeah, you got me to that episode. And you featured, you did a feature on Jason Kuhn. He was one of the ones to watch. But you did a lot of personality. You were trying to draw out a lot of personality. Um, and 
maybe do some more storytelling, less all in hands, um, which is you know what we got to for a little bit. Um, w WSOP is definitely trying to uh, show a more educated show. I felt like WPT uh, was going for the personality a little bit more. Long question here. The point is, do you feel like this new influx of players is helping or hurting the quality of the TV product? Personality sells, uh, but good play does too. So where do you, where do you fall on this? Sure. Well, the we need to continue to have a new influx of players. In fact, I, I think what uh, I think what you're seeing on WPT and what you're about to see in about a month and a half with Alpha Eight is the relationship between personality and play. I think Alpha Eight will highlight that even more. If you liked if you like that, and the ones to watch has been a very popular segment. I think you're going to really like Alpha 8, because to me, what it is doing, it's, it will capture the interest of a market or a or general audience that may or may not be into poker before, because you know, Alpha 8 has, quite frankly, turned into a, a program that was different from when we started. Okay. When we started, it was about sophistication, right? The biggest... The, the the greatest players or those people who could afford it sitting it out at this table and as what happens in television uh, the product drives uh, the, the, the the what people want to watch and the participants actually drive the product so what we found alpha eight has been fascinating because really what we expect is this kind of quiet, intense, sophisticated atmosphere. And every Alpha A tournament has been guys that have a tremendous amount of money who are very collegial. I mean, it is a far more, it's a far more fun and in, in almost, yeah, as I said, collegial feeling that's on, on the set. And you see people, you know, walking around asking if they could, you know, borrow $100,000 and that type of thing. <laughs> I think that that will engage more audience, and we do need to have that um, in the industry. And there always, there will always be time for better analysis and presentation of poker. I think you're going to see more streaming. You know, streaming is becoming more popular in part because the viewership is more educated. And now people, they they not only want to see the highlights that they and the background and, and the stories that they're able to see on television, but they want to they want to see all of the hands that go into poker, and so that's why you know streaming continues to be popular. You know, uh, Jay was um, may or may not have been very uh, integral in the Onyx Cup, which was uh, Full uh -huh. Tilt's mega buy-in. Yep. Uh, event back in the day. Jay, what kind of, uh, do you feel like there's a unique or a different set of challenges uh, when you're dealing with those types of high buy-in events, uh, like in a, you know, an Alpha 8 or what you might have done with Onyx Cup? I think um, the notion of focusing on the collegial atmosphere when these guys are around one another, the people that they're familiar with and they don't have the, um, you know, the <laughs> the sometimes the social phobias that many of us you know many of us suffer is you know could be a very entertaining could be could be extremely entertaining 
Adam, these guys kind of run all together in the same crowd, I guess, because you know there's not a lot of guys that, particularly now, have that kind of bankroll. So when you mentioned the sure. collegial attitude, I'm assuming it's because you know these are these guys are playing against each other all the time anyway, and they're kind of friendly. Is that is that what's coming across? Yeah, a- absolutely. I think when we get to you know we got some buzz about the St. Kitts show that uh, the St. Kitts uh, tournament that took place. That, I will tell you, will be one of the best shows in all of WPT. Because half the time, these guys were playing, and then they, uh, half the time at the break, you know, you know, we've been talking about what to wear. Half the, these guys were in shorts and running into the beach during the break and then <laughs> coming back to the table. So, um, and we couldn't stop it. Uh, and it just kind of took on a life of its own. But they are incredibly, um, it's, it's a playful atmosphere, and it is it is very interesting. Just from a social perspective and from what you point out, which is not that many people have that much to be able to do this, it is fascinating to watch. And if I could just, just to, uh, yeah, it, it's like the difference between the top, you know, 10% and the top 0.1% or something, where the guys who get to that level are really extraordinary. You know, they've got brains that really just don't work like yours and mine. Um, and, you know, I think that just, they are, you know, innately an interesting an interesting sort. And if you sit down with, you know, the likes of an Eric Seidel or Vanessa Seltz, it's like they're, they've, got, they've got things to say. You know, that is not a group that's got, um, there's a personality void at all. Yeah. Definitely. When when can we expect to see Alpha 8? When's it, uh, when's it start airing? So uh, it will air in March. And um, so the preview, you'll start to see previews at any time now. In fact, this week, I think we may give you a little glimpse um, of, a, of a sizzle reel coming out. Okay, great. Um, now, Adam, away from, away from some of the poker stuff, you're a pretty good foodie. Um, I actually, uh, uh, thanks to you, had a fantastic meal at the SLS and had a Pliska. Great drink. Really enjoyed it. Good. Um, Jay also is a foodie, so let's talk, let's just talk a little away from poker and, and, and more into, uh, some stuff that, that interests us too. Uh, Jay, yeah. I think you had a, I think you had a place you wanted to So go. you, uh, you, would, I saw, I would look at your Twitter feed a little earlier and you had congrat- congratulated Jose Andres for becoming a, uh, U.S. citizen. So, um, for those who don't know, Jose Andres is one of the great, great chefs in the U.S. with uh, a couple of restaurants in the SLS Hotel in L.A. And he's got a place uh, in the Cosmopolitan, or, yeah, in the Cosmopolitan in, in Vegas. Um, so can you tell me about your relationship with him? This, for me, is really exciting. <laughs> so. So, so, yeah, Jose and I, uh, very, uh, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, early in December, he, uh, he was sworn in um, as a U.S. citizen, and um, in great Jose style, uh, he was so, uh, sworn in at the Supreme Court by Justice Sotomayor. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, it was it was a surreal. You know, I flew out there, and it was just wonderful. He takes his U.S. citizenship so passionately, like he does with the food. So he was telling this inspiring story about how he was a sailor and. You know, he came over for the time in the U.S. on a sailboat. He saw the Statue of Liberty and what it meant to him. And it's just, it's very inspiring. But I, I think that the most interesting thing of the night is I was uh, seated uh, in between uh, 
in an area that included MC Hammer and the uh, U.S. Secretary of the Navy. So <laughs> <laughs> it was quite quite the eclectic group. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, th- that's interesting. How much he uh, how much he takes pride in the citizenship and what a big deal it is. It, it's uh, I was watching sixty minutes last night and they were doing a follow up story to these Somali lost boys. Don't know if you're familiar with it or, or if you've seen it before, but uh, how much the citizenship is a sense of pride for them and and uh, it it, it kind of struck me on how much we take it for granted on how great we have it and we kind of forget about it. Um, so it's even somebody uh, with the degree of success that Jose Andres might have doesn't. It's great. You, know, you, you, you there's something about you. You go to any of those monuments in D.C. and you you become like a silly little school child. You know, you're you're it, there's something that's so impressive about him. But walking into the Supreme Court of the United States, it's it's still a working area that has a degree of reverence. Yeah. And there's just something profound about it. And then to hear the stories of, uh, you know, of people who have come from all across the world and made, take, you know, taken this American dream seriously. I know it sounds trite, but it, it's, it's quite inspiring. What did, uh, what did MC Hammer think of all of this? <laughs> MC Hammer told me that he was going to be uh, coming to uh, our uh, Tiger Jam poker night uh, and, and hosting something afterwards. So, uh, as I find out, everybody plays poker. Justice Sotomayor, um, as I was meeting her, she um, she said, "You know, I'm a poker player, right?" Wow. <laughs> well, we know that Anton Scalia is right. Doesn't he? Hasn't he been hosting a game for a while? That's right. I uh, I, I once I met uh, Justice Scalia, and he said, "I've got a bone to pick with you." He said, uh, "I have one of the longest standing poker games in D.C." And we had all these poker games. We had all this poker playing. And then Justice Robert came in and introduced Texas Hold'em. Now I, everybody only wants to play Texas Hold'em. Uh, that's, that was his frustration. But it's, now, did, you say, uh, did you say that MC Hammer will be at the Tiger Jam? He, 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 said, that, uh, he said he was going to be there. So uh, I, I think that traditionally he used to host the, uh, an after party for, the, uh, for Tiger Jam. And now that we are the sponsors of the of uh the poker night he he said to me uh get ready so he was um he's prepared so why don't you tell why don't you tell our audience a little bit about the tiger jam and what the you know what the what the event's about yeah it's just a uh you know the, the tiger woods foundation which is a great organization that helps kids and you would think that it was you know helping kids excel in sports it's actually all sciences math and it gives these kids a chance to explore those areas that are so often neglected, um, you know, for kids. And so last year was a fantastic, uh, was just a great day. You know, people come in, they get to, uh, they get to meet Tiger, take a photo with him, have a day of golf. And then at the, the last year, the, the WPT event, the, uh, you know, Tiger came in, I think he busted out first but he stayed absolutely all night. He was just as friendly as can be. Um, yeah, Kid Rock was there and uh, Mark Cuban and everybody just had a fun time. And the prizes were phenomenal. You know, it's like a round of golf with, with Tiger Woods. So um, it's a it's a great event. Um, you know, it's not inexpensive. It's a, it's ten thousand dollars, but uh, 
the money goes to a really great charity and and the WPT Foundation is very happy to be a part of that and yeah. will be a part of it this year in May. My, my favorite part about the Tiger Jam is that it gives Phil Helmuth an opportunity to break the name dropping uh, <laughs> record. Uh, <laughs> oh, Phil. So, uh, okay, looks like a, a great 2014 coming up. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap this up? No, no, no. I just want to um, I want to tell people uh, I have I, I'm using these monster headphones right now. I thought we were going to do video scotch so you would have seen me in these cool things. Um, uh, we're very excited. This is this is a sponsor who has taken a bet on poker. It's an educated bet, and I'm going to show them that this was the right bet. But um, you know, you know, please come in and enjoy it. Come by. And, and, and see what this is about because uh, this is what we need more of for the entire industry and it's going to help us all. So um, that's, that's my final words on that. Awesome. Adam, thank you as always. And I uh, look forward to having you on a podcast later in the year. Always uh, all right. a, a favorite look, guest of ours. Look forward to uh, having dinner with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Nice yeah. meeting you, Adam. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good Thanks. night. And that is it for this Wicked Chops podcast. Uh, I think Jay and I might be doing a couple more over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll tweet out what the uh, who the guests are and what the topics are. But uh, until then, that's a wrap. <laughs>